to start the discussion, uh, Luke, in regards to the performance that just happened with Patrick's work, and we could talk a little bit about the ideas behind it, and then I know you just released a cassette of the audio part, and do you consider that differently as a piece uh, without the visual, is it considered? Um, the recorded piece um, was, it, first of all, it was recorded on my 30th birthday, mm -hmm. sort of a birthday gift to myself, okay. and it was after a, it was a culmination of um, a series of performances where I had done that and sort of explored that uh, privately and basically set up a series of improvisational structures just like um, that is common in, in this music, um, different specific things to do and sort of going with that mood. Can you give an example of the kinds of things you're talking so about? So for, for example, um, starting off um, only using the, the amplifier um, and the feedback generated from the amplifier mm -hmm. before I put a bow to it or mm -hmm. put my fingers to it or anything mm -hmm. like that and generating different frequencies and different tones mm -hmm. specifically with the amplifier because I wanted to uh, use that um, as an instrument mm -hmm. like it's, it's not I heard you say amplified bass mm -hmm. but it's specifically bass and amplifier mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. what I mean like it's even though obviously you know that's the case um, essentially this this idea came from uh, years of being interested in um, dabbling in electronic uh, music specifically mm -hmm. I guess noise mm -hmm. type stuff okay. and as uh, sort of the the common noise setup is uh, with the one common noise setup is with a, a mixer a no input mixer generating feedback um, so I basically took that concept and used it for for this sort of setup, but 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 then again, it's kind of like the the a very typical upright bass setup, mm -hmm. and I found myself in a lot of situations where we're playing with a lot of loud drummers, <laughs> and um, you know, as bass players know, uh, that can be a drag sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so you need an amplifier to crank it all the way up, and then after a certain point, it starts to feed back. And I don't know, I guess I just thought that was a, a good place Let's to explore, start. Explore, explore, that, part, explore yeah. that, yeah. Um, so then, yeah, like I, like I said, uh, a series of concerts and um, spending some time um, with that setup mm -hmm. at home. And the results is what you hear on the record at that, at that time. Um, there's been some attempts at sort of notating different things, um, just different, creating different symbols for different uh, techniques with the amplifier. Mm -hmm. um, even like different, um, different like dial-in frequencies mm -hmm. from the amplifier. Um, but we'll see where that goes. I'm not sure where that's going to mm -hmm. go yet. So that's another step in the process. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And how do the, the visuals play in? Is that like a further development of the original idea or special for this tour? Or? Uh, so the visuals, I can't remember, where's Pat? He's not here. 
Um, the visuals came in, well, Pat, first of all, Pat and I have been collaborating for a long time, basically since he moved to DC. And um, I think I think it happened one time at uh, Union Arts, the, the space um, where a lot of activity happened, where you, where you played mm-hmm. as well. I think that would. I think that might have been the first time where that that happened with the visuals. Mm-hmm. But basically, the concept is, um, as you saw, audio feedback versus visual feedback. Mm-hmm. And uh, Patrick is is very skilled and open with his um, with his ideas mm-hmm. and with his methods. So is he kind of developing that set of? Aesthetics concurrent to you developing the uh, amplified. I think so. Yeah, so you I think of, so. It's a it's a feed, creative feedback loop. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, he comes back. We'll ask him. second question I want to ask you about is the way you designated your activities um, as a multi-instrumentalist, radio producer, writer, events organizer. And I just wanted to see... Did I do that? Uh, well, that's what, it's on your, on your website, so I assume that it was you. But uh, um, a lot of the people I work with, a lot of musicians I know, uh, are organizers. It's mm-hmm. like a, a pretty common thing. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about these different activities and how they intersect for you and how they are important uh why you pursue all of them as opposed to just you know being a musician well it's all it's all connected all the all those music related activities that i've been involved in Mm -hmm. my entire adult life as they're all feeding each other and i think ultimately it's all feeding the music Mm -hmm. um so when i'm when I, I I used to, I need to update that bio. <laughs> that was from 2013. Okay, so some stuff's happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and some things have shifted around. Mm-hmm. Um, so at, at that time, I was full time working for um, a community radio station in Washington D.C. called WPFW 89.3 FM, your station for jazz and justice in the nation's capital. <laughs> <laughs> And um, through that process, I would say um, that's where I guess my uh, my interest in the history of the music was was able to um, really be explored thoroughly mm-hmm. through the 
the legacies that that, that station represents in Washington D.C. Um, for in their jazz and creative music and um, a lot of different communities, mm-hmm. uh, marginalized and and otherwise communities, <clears throat> political communities, um, social justice communities, and things like that. And through that, I I, I had the blessing and the opportunity to um, pursue different projects um, at the behest of people that I was working with and different hosts among a lot of different things that were happening at the at the station I guess my own focus came to document or explore the the different anniversaries that were happening at the time and I, and I mean anniversaries in the le- in the histories and legacies of uh, community based, creative music so the first one was in 2012 i worked with bobby hill who is a a mentor of mine in in radio and in a lot of things 2012 was the 50th anniversary of the founding of um, the union of god's musicians and artists ascension Mm. which was the organization started by um, horace tapscott in los angeles that that birthed the pan-african people's orchestra um, they also worked with the, the Watts Writers Workshop with Kamal Daoud and um, the, the Watts Prophets um, back in, in the mid-60s, before the Watts Rebellion, before the, mm-hmm. the L.A. riots of the 60s, um, and afterwards, and including the, the legacies of um, therein up until the death of Horace Tapscott. Um, so in that project, we were able to uh, talk to a lot of different people and get some perspective on on what what really happened um, and what those legacies. Um, so interviewing people in LA. Yeah, basically, yeah. basically interviewing people. You know, just very, you know, very typical research work. Mm-hmm. You'll say, you mm-hmm. can say, but it was for radio. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was to produce these specials. So so basically. That's one example of of a lot of different focused um, historical projects that helped inform my perspective and um, my goals and desires in this music and what I what I would like to learn from those legacies mm-hmm. in my own um, existence and in my own life. So you were asking about. Um, how all those things are connected. So that's that's one example. And then obviously when you're an engineer, a live engineer working in radio, which is what I was, those skills, especially with a project like this and being in, involved in um, and interested in electronic music, obviously that, that carries over. Mm-hmm. And, and really just working with the magic of sound, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. And how about the work as an organizer? I mean, that's how I met you. Yeah. And a lot of people have met you. You're like a primary organizer in the DC scene. Yeah. And how that intersects with all the other scenes? It's the same. Um, I would say that it's it's connecting the dots, as mm-hmm. as I think we've talked about. It's, um, I didn't move to DC for music. Um, it was a series of life situations um, and decisions on my part, and through that, I found a sort of like a community that I was always wanting mm. when I was growing up. 
um, a community that I, I had always looked for um, and a community that you know graciously embraced embraced me at the time mm-hmm. and was able to you know I'm, I'm I have to say that I'm very lucky to have received all the the opportunities but then it's funny as a musician I never really sought out to do that necessarily mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was more like I found my through my own needs as a an artist mm-hmm. I found myself in the position of responsibility mm-hmm. for, for different spaces to, so, to generate work for yourself for your own groups you know kind of motivated that way or in another way um, not more like there was a void being um, there was a void in in the scene mm-hmm. for this music mm-hmm. so you wanted to fix that basically I mean I didn't want sure <laughs> sure yeah but not like not like in a I'm gonna save the yeah, scene yeah. kind of way you mm-hmm. know it's just like I I had a bunch of stuff I had I was in a band and we needed a place to practice, and that and that space was big enough to invite a lot of people in, mm-hmm. and so we did. And we started throwing shows. The, um, the other people in the band were throwing, you know, typical like punk shows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I started at first doing more um, avant-garde, experimental electronic shows, and then eventually jazz shows in you know a, a warehouse in in DC. And, and really just putting the music in a, in a context that it hadn't been in in D.C. in a, in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the inspiration that I felt being in a space like that transferred to the, the people in the audience who, who came to those shows. And, and it was and a success. Sort of, and it was, a, it was a success, and it's mm-hmm. just built from there. Speaking of different contexts, um, you mentioned already your interest in electronic music and, mm-hmm. and noise. Um, do you see those different pursuits as creative aesthetic interests or also um, economic necessities to do different kinds of things to survive as a musician playing? Well, I would say that it's more so following my interests and somehow things are working. Mm-hmm. Somehow, somehow things have been able to um, been able to work. Um, like I said, I did have a, a full-time job for a long time. I was working literally seven days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
alongside all of those things, you know, you, you sort of develop um, ways and means of of existing in, in this music. You know, you find that you find a way. I mean, I've, I've been able to just through the focus. I'm, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I don't, I don't even know if I've found, I'm still looking for the ultimate way. I think I'm working on it. I have some, I, I have some ideas <laughs> and, you know, I, I have a feeling that, you know, very soon it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, that, that, that part of the, of the puzzle is very tough. Mm-hmm. Well, you said something really interesting at the Exposure series. There was the panel discussion, mm-hmm. and you said a lot of interesting things. One that stuck with me very strongly was, I'm paraphrasing, but along the lines of, you know, I'm breaking even, and that feels like a success. Yeah. That's an accomplishment, which yeah. it is. And I think a lot of people following the music, you know, fans of the music, don't realize that the idea of breaking even playing the music you want to play is a massive accomplishment. Yeah. Anywhere you're doing it, you know, mm-hmm. and and how you feel about that, I wonder, because um, you have to hustle all the time. You have to try to put all these different pieces together, yeah. maintain your sanity. Yeah. Um, and I just, I was just very struck by that. That that was such a direct way to say I'm breaking even, and that's that's a, su- a success. Cause yeah. A lot of people don't understand. That yeah. Either. I mean that that's that's exactly what I mean by you know hopefully soon that that will be the case because that essentially in this music that's the best you can you know logically hope for is mm-hmm. to break even and coast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and you know you're not you're not gonna get the success of uh the or you know hope you know what anything can happen but <laughs> you're not you're not gonna get the success of you know any mainstream popular musician mm-hmm. uh, success in, in terms of uh, monetary success and who knows even about those people to be honest you know mm-hmm. in, in 2018 I think my 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 thoughts is that it's all the same at this mm-hmm. point you know unless you're that person mm-hmm. you know at this level we're all the same so you might as well do what you want to yeah do. that's a beautiful beautiful point you know um, that you don't have to be playing in a rock band or you don't have to be a rapper mm-hmm. in order to be successful mm-hmm. relevant mm-hmm. you you should you could actually be even more successful and more relevant just being yourself yeah and working on yourself yeah. the and like developing that originality um, to its fullest capacity yeah exactly and it's and it becomes even that much more rewarding mm-hmm. I think um, knowing that you're pursuing something that you're really passionate about um, rather than making artistic compromises yeah well I think in my experience you know the emphasis in the society we live in is so driven by economic success the idea of getting paid mm-hmm. and I think it's really easy to lose sight of what you're talking about and which I have to say I feel very strongly is getting paid in terms of creative reward mm-hmm. and that's the priceless thing mm-hmm. you know I'm sure I mean I can't speak for you and I don't want to but like in my experience and I think it's true for a lot of people I don't remember what I got paid to do a show 
I remember my experience. Mm -hmm. I re remember the exhilaration of a great gig or the suffering mm -hmm. of a, a fa failure. But whatever the paycheck was, so to speak, mm -hmm. at the end of that, it went into a bank, maybe, yeah. if there was enough to put into exactly. a bank. So that reward, uh, that's the permanent one. Yeah. You know? I remember how much I get paid at all the places where, where people are hyping. You mm. know? Okay. Like, I remember I got paid $20 at the Stone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, okay, four walls. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's... I, I feel that I'm working and we are working in, um, you know, for lack of a better definition, we're working in the spirit realm. Mm -hmm. We're working on making an impact on people's innermost psyches, innermost feelings, and trying to instill change in ourselves. Um, alongside the audience, we're trying to reach the next level of um, perception of, of humanity, of... Mm -hmm. of um, of the depth of emotional feeling. Mm -hmm. And I think that obviously that's not something you can put a dollar amount on, yeah. even though some, some people might try. Mm -hmm. It's also a very <laughs> angst-ridden path, you know, because, yes. because everything is personal. Everything is, yeah. um, is very sensitive mm -hmm. when you're anywhere existing as, as this as this type of person you know you're, you you're playing in you know in front of thousands of people one night in Europe and then you come back home <laughs> <laughs> and it's like damn mm -hmm. or like you know you you play an amazing show in front of five people and all five of those people then become your your friends you know mm -hmm. they you can tell you can, you look in their eyes and you can tell that mm -hmm. they've been deeply affected and you come home feeling like really proud mm -hmm. you made no money but you reached people and those people reached you too yeah. they, they there was a, that connection was made question and then, then uh, maybe turn it to, over to the audience but there was a quote from a, a article in the Washington Post uh, that was interesting very interesting I thought and to sort of paraphrase it um, was along the lines of my greatest concern as a musician is learning how to express my commitment to social justice 
And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Uh, Did I say yeah. that? According to this article, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's pretend that maybe it's connected to how you feel. I probably did feel that way at the time. I think I still kind of feel that way. Can you talk about I don't that think idea? It's, I mean, it's not my greatest concern. It's hard to say what my greatest concern is. Okay. My greatest concern, I think, is the music at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, Social justice is a funny thing these days uh, as well because it's a buzzword. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a common, um, you know, it's, it's something that everybody's trying to do now. Um, not, to, not to say that it's not needed. My, my work with social justice is, is through the community around the radio station. Um, being connected and, and working with varying um, grassroots organizations in, in Washington, D.C. And also connecting with a, with a couple in, um, in New York. And, you know, one, one thing that's funny is I, I did this in Baltimore the summer um, of the insurrection in Baltimore. A lady came up to me and said, I really feel your pain. I feel the, the pain of, of Freddie Gray and like all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was probably thinking that. Um, obviously, there's no words in this music, but I was probably thinking that uh, just because it was topical and it had just happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was in Baltimore, and perhaps the, the, the vibrations of my thoughts and feelings came through strongly in, in that time to where they, that person um, made that connection. I think that for me at this point right now, I think that's the best I can, I can hope for in terms of my musical involvement mm-hmm. in social justice. I don't want to patronize the movement. Mm-hmm. I don't want to make something that it's not, mm-hmm. which is what I see a lot happening. Mm-hmm. People are using social justice to sell tickets. Mm-hmm. They're using social justice, that word, and you know they're having conversations, which is fine, and which is important. But you look at the, na- the, the nature of, of some of these con- conversations. For example, um, there's a, a festival or one of their themes is social justice, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's a little weird because it's social justice a theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're, they're ho- hosting these conversations. When I was there, I remember feeling like I'm tired of talking. I'm tired of talking about um, social justice in the ivory tower of of a privileged community mm-hmm. in in New York City. Like I'm I'm just tired of that. Mm-hmm. I would rather go home and you know let's let's build with the communities on the ground where I live uh, or where I am. And so that's why I think recently I'm, I'm really just sort of focusing on mm-hmm. the community of, um, of creative musicians 
and how we can create some or further foment the the solidarity and the the togetherness. Mm-hmm. We can all you know be different. We can all have different aspects of our social justice or you know perception of what that is, perception of what we do even as musicians. But again, connecting those dots is important. First of all, I I, I didn't grow up in a city. I grew up in a place where this wasn't happening at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I, for a long time, I felt, you know, sort of wronged by that. Mm-hmm. I couldn't access in a live situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt wronged that you never came mm-hmm. down. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I felt wrong that people in the place where I'm from need, needed to hear mm-hmm. or needed the, pers- the, the perspective and the wisdom mm-hmm. of people that I met in D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I felt like I needed that in high school. Mm-hmm. I just went to um, uh, my brother's wedding mm-hmm. in, um, in Atlanta. I played a song <laughs> um, in you know, in a different style, in my own style. And, you know, my, my dad and my brother got it, but they were telling me that, but the people were, you know, asking questions and like, they, they trumped it up to, these country folk don't understand, blah, 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 blah. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that, that kind of statement, especially with, with this music, it's not over anybody's head. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. If it's presented as such, then it can't be. But it's at its core, it's music. Yes. It's a sound. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's it's a feeling. It's a vibe that is accessible to anybody yeah. who hears it, yeah, if they allow themselves to. Yeah. So that the, those sorts of those sort of comments really, you know, affect me mm-hmm. in 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 the sense that like, okay, how can how can I make what I do so potent that even somebody who's never heard this before, mm-hmm. they'll, they might not understand it, but they get a feeling yeah, from it. Receive some you know, that, and those are, those are also things that aren't totally under my control. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it's a, it's a goal to be able to reach people and to be reached. Mm-hmm. Patrick and Luke drove overnight from D.C. to get here to do this gig. So, um, are you up to answering a couple questions? Or are you yeah, too sure. toasted? No, please. Okay. Any questions for, for Luke? 
I, I work a lot in um, analog synthesis. Mm. Um, so a big thing that I work with a lot is resonance, and I think mm -hmm. that a lot of like playing with the feedback and the mic that you have there, a lot of what you had as well to work with was like um, the organic resonance that was coming from uh, the bass and mm -hmm. um, the sound box and the strings. And I'm wondering, um, like, have you ever like thought about that in relation to your musical pieces? Absolutely. I mean, it, it, I think those things that you just described are are tools to to get a desired effect. Um, obviously, it's a big sound box. <laughs> it's a big noise generator for this process. Um, the amplifier is another tool. the The visuals are for me. For me, the visuals. I mean, I'll, I'll say. For, I can't see the visuals. Mm -hmm. So that's that's all on Pat. All I'm doing, I'm focusing on the music. I'm focusing on the, the movement required. But I think that the effect um, gives the, the desired goal of the all-encompassing feedback experience. Obviously through sound and and visuals. Um, I'm still I'm still pondering about what that means for me. I know that every time I do this, I feel absolutely wiped out. <laughs> um, you know, perform, performing solo is, is is like that too. It takes a, it takes a lot out of you. You know, there were moments where I was like literally like starting to feel something in my chest. You know. <laughs> Like starting to feel, you know, like emotions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> starting to feel things. <laughs> Maybe I was gonna throw up or something. I don't know. <laughs> um, but it's it's like a it's, it's entering a deep state of meditation in a sense, or like a a, a very particular type of meditation too. That that isn't that isn't necessarily accessible just when you're, you know, sitting in a cross leg situation in a in a lotus position. Like you're you're working with something that you have a very personal connection with over a long period of time. And all the things that you've gone through in that process. You're channeling you know, that this is a common thing, but like you're channeling something. You're channeling a, a another presence, a legacy, uh, you're channeling your experiences on this planet. Um, and a lot of times that can be a little overwhelming. In a lot of ways, this is yet another instance of my life deeply within the realm of mystery, because I had no plans on ever, you know, like growing up, like who knew? <laughs> Um, but then, you know, as I, as I developed, it was like, okay, this is a goal, I can do this. Mm -hmm.